0: you are listening to the voice of daryl bennett and welcome to another installment of the daryl bennett experience higher learning where we discuss everything from government and law to business finance and entrepreneurship to caring events and spirituality i promise you your life will never be the same you didn't you weren't just you didn't just come here no you know, mommy and daddy. No, 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 no. You were sent for this moment, for this reason, for this season. Great communicators understand the context in which they come. I say this with respect because I believe that's what makes me. I believe that God divinely placed me here for this moment and season. And I don't believe that I'm special in that. I think everybody's there, but I am consciously aware of that. That's why I move in a different different life. So when I speak, I truly believe from the beginning of time, and it might sound deep, but let me just throw this out here. I believe from the beginning of time, it was foreordained, foreordained that Daryl Bennett would speak there. So of course, I'm coming with a different level of power confidence and connectivity because I'm not moving on this earthly sphere. I need you to understand the context in which you come. That's powerful both the context in your life and the context in which you're speaking. There are so many things that are happening now, shifting in the world. There's so much more of a context around, I mean, I'm, we're doing this class, what, for um, lawyers in South Africa. There's more talk around communities that have been marginalized, nations that have been pushed to the side, genders that people have, old, I mean, we are now seeing women leadership in a whole nother level, in a whole nother way, or all arenas. Right? Do you know the context in which you live so you know how to grasp that power? Consciousness, context, confidence. When I'm consciously aware, when I'm, I'm telling you, when I'm consciously aware of why I am, why I'm sent, why I'm here, that this isn't just me talking, to talk, this is a reason, the context, then it gives confidence. Your confidence is what's going to radiate to your heart buy confidence before they buy the words. They buy, do you believe what you're selling? Are you going to eat your own food? <laughs> and then comes the connectivity. You see how a lot of times we run out for connectivity, but we're not even consciously aware of who we are. We're not even understanding the context of the situation. We don't even get the confidence, so clearly we can't make the connectivity. Consciousness, context. Confidence, and then we're able to make great connectivity. The greatest communicators connect with their audience, their audience, not every audience. Let me just say that because I think that's two where sometimes we get mixed up. We want to speak to everybody, Everybody everybody's gonna like you, everybody's not assigned to like you. See, that's where me moving in the divine helps me to understand myself a little better. Somebody once told me, Daryl, you'll get far by having the right enemies. Remember that. (laughs) Remember that. David would have never been king if he didn't have to go up against Goliath. Some people are not going to like you. They're not supposed to like your message. In fact, them not liking your message is what's going to propel you to another height. So instead of speaking to try to get everybody to like you, I'm speaking with my message because I have a purpose. I can't waver in that. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't try to understand my audience. I don't try to craft it. I don't try to personalize it. But I can't come off of my square my conscious context of who I am, because now I'm not confident. Because once I try to sell you on something I'm not, now I'm something else and I can't be that. Does that make sense? I can really connect on another level when I recognize I'm not sent for everybody. Nobody was sent for everybody. I'm sent here. That was the lesson, I believe, of the last six years in America. I told people that. I said, listen, I told him that. I said, Donald Trump gets something that most people don't get. We have been taught for so long, speak to everybody. He understands I'm to speak to my base. I don't need to speak to everybody. And in fact, all of the people that were so upset were creating another energy around it that was actually propelling them further. I would tell people, ignore that mess. You're not doing any, you going to cancel the mega hats. Now people are buying in the droves. You know, you want to put the link to the store in your description, you know, like the people that want to boycott Facebook and they go on Facebook to say it. Like, you know, so, the, so you remember what I talked about the energy, the, the wherever the energy flows, that's where the connectivity is going to go. Remember that. Good, bad, ugly, or otherwise. So I'm really showing you something so you have confidence In say, okay, this is who I'm. Who was it? I was just watching it was, uh, I think I'm not even really into but some actress, Mila or something, they said she was on a late night show, kept getting booed, but she handled it well. You know, because she came on with a message. It's some celebrity over here that, I guess, some actress. But they were just making a point of like, wow, this is how crazy it is. You're on a late night show getting booed. But okay, but that happens. But what's your message? All right, so let me stop there. We're about to now watch some um, of... Quite frankly, the, the, the greatest speeches of all time.
1: <laughs> I don't know another
0: way to put it. Um, greatest recorded speeches. Um, and any thoughts as I pull this up?
1: I think it's it's quite an. An interesting point, but I do think there's a lot of truth to it um, when you're saying that, you know, it's going to go with the energy and whether it's good or bad, it's going to happen. Um, maybe it's just me, but I tend to notice generally in the world that you know, if, you're feeding, if you're feeding the negative energy, if you're, or if you're choosing to go the negative rather than the positive, it tends to have more momentum um, just because you know, it's, people want to feel heard. Um, I, I just remember this one speech always stuck with me, it was Oprah Winfrey, it was about 2002, a year after September 11th, and she got some humanitarian award. And she just made this powerful speech about people wanting to be heard. And if people aren't heard, it's something negative. So if you're acknowledging that and feeding the fire, it's just gonna create a whole create a whole train. It's almost like confirmation bias that people just naturally gravitate towards something that affirms their belief, whether their belief is based in fact or, or not. It's just an interesting thing to, to think about and explore.
0: Oh, it definitely is.
1: And you know something,
0: I didn't feel like you said this, I wanna share something with y'all. Can you, Lisa, can you start recording really quickly? And we'll record afterwards, because I wanna share something with y'all but I don't want this to necessarily, I don't want this to be recorded.
2: Um, I don't know if Lisa is still there. Lisa might have taken a second. I might have to share it later. You there, Lisa?
0: OK, never mind. It's something I do want to share with you all. I mean, it's not like secretive or anything, but I just don't want this. It's, but it goes toward the, the power of words. Um, I'll just send a note when Lisa comes back. Uh, all right. Um, let us right now go to uh, let's go to the one of the speeches here.
2: Wait a minute, hold on. I think you have to get that. Give me one second, I think I have to share the screen. Oh, there it is.
3: If you might feel very small and even insignificant, you find yourself thinking is unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts A short time. Let's. uh, So, I
0: want to take a moment. I told you I'm going to be breaking it up. So, I want to show y'all a couple things there. The first thing is, uh, let me just say this: this is actually, I shouldn't say global history. A lot of this is American history. So, uh, pardon my bias because it's English. You know, so a lot of these, but these are clips that I'm sure other people have seen. um, So, they won't be other languages. I do want to call that out. Um, I want you to notice a couple things. First. Cause I want you to kind of go through each one. People will speak long, but notice the clips that are played. Like how many people have heard of the only, so wash your hands, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Have you heard that clip somewhere? Okay. Have you watched the whole thing?
2: No, actually Darryl, just to interject there, even before he said the only thing to fear, I was like, I've heard this somewhere before is fear itself. I have never watched this speech. I've studied history in school. and oh. like, I know this from somewhere. <laughs>
0: that's powerful. So that goes to show, but see that goes to show the power of words. You may not know who, it, you know who once spoke it. So that's the other thing to know. Like, I believe, you know, if we were to ask most of the people later, if they thought, if they were to say, Most of the world is only gonna watch this clip. What would it be? I don't know if they would pick what actually it became. Does that make sense? Like it's amazing how other people will grasp a piece that maybe is not even our theme. Because remember, with each of these that we're gonna watch, people spoke for 30, 40, and some cases an hour. An hour is a lot of content for now to only be boiled down to later. A date which will live in infamy, a date which will live in infamy. So it's It it lets you see, first of all, the power of what you want to say. So let me give you the context of the first one. That was during the Great Depression. It was actually more people that attended that inauguration in American history than any other inauguration before or afterwards. They said it was over a million people live. People were jobless. People were homeless. People were struggling. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said herself, she said it looked like the crowd could do anything. That literally they would destroy us if we didn't say the right. I mean, she just talked about how she was. It was scary to see that many people, but remember this was where there were shanty towns and these Hoover bills and all this. So he's speaking at this moment where they had feared everything. And now he says, the only thing left to fear, we have gone through, you know, this was before war actually started, but all the things they've been through, the only thing that we have left to fear is fear itself. So the question is, If the nation wasn't going through what the nation was going through, even if he said the same thing, would we be still watching that speech? I say probably not. You see see how there it's the context. I'm not going to say somebody somewhere wouldn't have been watching it, but I think the reason why that was such a poignant moment, a poignant statement was because he met, this is what I'm trying to say, he met the moment. Many people don't meet the moment when you meet the moment, that's when later they're still talking about it. All right. The second one, of course, uh, you know, December 7th, 1941, up until September 11th, that had been probably the biggest date of an attack in in history. He probably knew him saying a date which would live in infamy. That would probably be the headline there. But you notice even when we watch it, it said that was the headline there notice also when you have all of those people behind you what is that what does that signify let me just pull this out really quickly as what
2: does it signify subconsciously when you see this imagery what
0: does it signify when you when he's speaking and you see all these people because I want you to now get
2: the imagery. This isn't a PowerPoint, but this is much more powerful than a PowerPoint. Because he could have been speaking by himself.
1: Do we know Um, who those people were? It just looks like it's it's almost giving an an impression of, of, you know, we need to unite to amplify that message of, You know, what have we got else? What have we got left (laughs) here? But really fear itself. We've hit rock bottom. But if we stick together, we can do this and get ourselves out.
0: And I would push back. Thank you for that. And I would push back and say, does it matter who the people are? Yeah. you got got the people. Subconsciously, your mind sees him with people. And subconsciously, it gives the impression that whoever is standing behind him catch this, is standing behind them. Yeah. You, you see what you see? So it's not an accident. Bring everybody, Pookie, all the back, because a few of them looked like they were milling around, like, wait a minute, can you at least pay attention to the speech? But he understood there was power. And now some of those may have been the part, You know, some people in this party, leadership or whatever, but it's a reason why, I just want you to see the reason why. So the next time you see a speech, why do you, in some cases, uh, the leader, the man or the woman choose to speak by themselves rather than have a bunch of people. Sometimes it's one person standing next to them. Paying attention to what is the intention behind it that they are seeking to, uh, what, what are they seeking to uh, convey? Power. The fact that this speech was given at Congress. Setting. He could have given it from the Oval Office. He could have given it from in front of the Capitol where he did the inauguration. But this would be the same chamber where they would eventually do the declaration of war.
3: Ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the enemy. That bomb has more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. The Japanese began the war from the air at Pearl Harbor. They have been repaid many fold, and the end is not yet. With this bomb, we have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction to supplement the growing power of our armed forces. Now, no, we, we have been s- compelled to create a permanent armaments industry Let me be of vast proportions. in the councils of government I
0: am, it was a little bit of delay there. Notice the contrast of speaking about nuclear war and just one person and him him being by himself. Because I want you to see what's happened. I just wanted to call out, these aren't necessarily all inspiring clips, but these are moments and flashpoints in history where the power of the word shifted things. So there we were watching after the first atomic bomb was dropped. And just so you get the context, when Eisenhower, excuse me, I'm looking at Eisenhower. When Truman, who was president after Roosevelt here in America, gave the order, he actually gave the order for them to drop, I think it was 10 bombs, and gave it to the general to decide when they would drop it. It wasn't until after the second bomb was dropped in Nagasaki that he saw the pictures from Hiroshima, and he said, oh, no, 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 no. I have to make those decisions from now on, because they didn't realize the power of the bomb. They just thought, well, you know, like a missile. So here he was, and there are people to, that, that I've read many of his memoirs that asked him to the end of his life, what was that decision like? So it's almost like a lone man facing the world to say, this is why I made that decision. And you see the contrast in why that was changed.
3: We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it and the glow from that fire can truly light the world and so my fellow Americans ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country How many people have heard that clip?
1: Ask not- my
3: fellow citizens of the world Ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man.
0: Let me tell you something about the power of what's the four C's we talked about? Consciousness, context, confidence, connectivity. Most people have heard the clip, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. How many people here would be surprised to know he was not the first president to say that. Not just say it generally, he's not the first president to say it at an inauguration. Warren G. Hardy said it 40 years before in the 1920s. Nobody remembers it though. Why? This is a clear, why did he, literally he used the same line that someone from the 20s used and use it in his inauguration, and everybody remembers him for it." That's that's another piece too, that most of the quotes that we attribute to people, you know, when you really look, not just we know someone else said it, like you can find someone else saying it before. This goes to show you, it's not just about what you say. So the context here is we went from Roosevelt, Kennedy, excuse me, Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Truman. That next guy was Eisenhower. He was a general, one of the oldest presidents America had ever had. And it was now, in 1960, the oldest living president was handing the torch to the youngest living president, the first president in the United States that had been born in the 20th century. I think he was born in 1908. So imagine the, the excitement, the feeling of, oh, my gosh, this is a new life. This is a new world. This is a new Since sorry, he wasn't born in nineteen twenties. A new sense of, uh, you know, a new era that they were being drawn into. I do not know if that quote would have been as powerful if it wasn't within the historical context. I'm just, I want you to see the power of knowing the context. And this is the thing, because as you listen, you might say, well, this is why I'm showing it this way. Well, uh, I'm not here. I'm not there. Everybody has a moment. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. The question is, do you know your moment? Do you know the context? Every moment has a context. The question is, do you know it so you can seize it?